Hello, podcast listeners. You've reached This Marketing Life, and I'm your host, Fiona McEachran. This Marketing Life is the podcast that discusses the real-world challenges and opportunities facing today's marketing manager. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on iTunes and visit thismarketinglife.com to subscribe to future episodes and cool marketing management goodies. And if you have any questions about marketing management, please contact me. This is the 2020 crisis series of This Marketing Life. And today I am chatting with Peter Strockob, CEO and founder of Peter Strockob Advisory. As an executive consultant, Peter offers sales and marketing advisory services to the B2B tech and services sector. He is also a published author, and his main mission is to help business grow their sales results. Welcome to the show, Peter. Thank you, Fiona. It's great to be here. I would like to talk about, you know, what you're doing at this time and and what you think about this pandemic and how has this uh, impacted the way sales performs and, you know, did did sales strategies need to change, you know, when this pandemic kicked in? Yes, they did. Um, so, so what what uh, I observed personally was that uh, in the initial stages of the pandemic and, and particularly the the lockdown, a lot of businesses were really focused inwardly. You know, they had to rearrange their staff to get them to work from home. They had to rearrange procedures. Uh, the, you know, routines that that had been established for years were all, all of a sudden all thrown up in the air. So. They didn't really pay any attention at all to any marketers or salespeople um, trying to still do their jobs. And, and, and even the sales and marketing businesses themselves were affected by the change. What, what um, has uh, transpired in, in, the, in the recent times is that um, a lot of people didn't really want to be sold to because they, they had enough on their mind already and they didn't, they didn't want to. They were worried about you know, their own future, their own jobs, their family, their health, their life, the, you know, what, whatever else um, sort of. Of course, when you're worried about those uh, basics, the things like having income and, and, and not catching this coronavirus too. You know, if you're worried about basic health and basic accommodation and food, it's really hard to think about those other bigger picture things that you might need to get. Yeah, that, that's right. So, so if, if you're focused on the bottom of uh, Maslow's pyramid, you don't really want to think about the top too much, I guess. But but I think recently um, the, the the that has shifted a little bit insofar as I think people are getting used to working in the new environment, working from home, or you know whatever it is, whether you have kids at home or or, or you know you, you you're on the road or, or not. And and I think there is a sense that people want to get back to something resembling normal, or we've just become used to the, this new normal, and now we want to get on with it. And I. I, I particularly refer to a conversation I had with the with a sales leader in a in a mid market company in in, in uh, Queensland, and um, they uh, contacted me and, and and they basically said, look, I want my sales reps to stop making excuses, get off their hands, and start selling again, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so that nice was kind of, that was kind of like an, an early indicator for me that uh, people want to get back to something that resembles some some sense of normal. Of course. And also, you know, I know these business leaders are saying, oh, yeah, get back to selling. But I think the way the way we sell has fundamentally changed, you know, as a sales team. And I think, you know, remote selling is something that a lot of, uh, you know, BDMs and sales consultants aren't used to because 
a lot has been face-to-face, a lot has been, you know, making visits and having face-to-face meetings. So I think there's been just a a change in the processes and and how selling actually happens now. That's right. And and because people don't want to be sold to, um, they, they prefer to be engaged, as I call it. You know, they, they want to be informed by subject matter expert in, in terms of how can you help my situation get better. They, they don't want to be spammed. They don't want to be cold called. They, they just want to be engaged and educated. And, and so that, that's a big wake up call for a lot of sales organizations who've been, you know, dare I say, a bit lazy by, by having a, a mass reach out to, a, a, you know, a large number of uh, suspects to hope to turn them into prospects by catching the one or two of them that happen to be interested in what you're selling at that time. You know, I think those days are yes. over, right? That, that lesson's been learned. And, and we now need to think much more sophisticatedly about how we want to engage with our ideal prospects. And, and, uh, and I, I actually call that um, sophisticated prospect engagement as opposed to lead generation. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think now, especially in this time of a health crisis, it's about reading the situation and and using judgment and empathy to to change the way you sell a little bit. Yes, and 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 the key to that is really to see what you're doing from the customer's or from the prospect's perspective, right? So so the old you know, I, I call it we-we syndrome, the old sort of we are, the, this is us and we are, that's our name and we do this and we do that and we have we have these customers. You know, n- nobody cares, you know. Yes. <laughs> People want to know what can you do to help me, i.e. what is the outcome that you're delivering and, and by the way, I don't want to be spammed, I don't want to be um, pummeled with emails. I want to be no. educated and guided. You know, so yes. it's quite a paradigm shift for a lot of um, sales organizations who, who were used to, you know, dare I say the old pray and spray. Um, that's that's not going to be any, any effective any longer. No, well, it's funny that you talk about that because if, even if we back up and we look at what sales and sales teams were like before this crisis, even back in, you know, 2018, 2019, coming into 2020, I think that old model of that, like you said, the spray and pray, the the traditional sales dog, the traditional you know sales lead gen, I think it was changing. I think, I think it may have even changed for good. I, I think that's absolutely right, Fiona. I, I actually wrote an article about them that said the, um, the the old pray and spray was dead before COVID nineteen came along. It's just totally <laughs> given the, the death knell now, you know. And 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 let's let's face it, the the crisis is actually, you know, if if you want to look at the bright side, the crisis is actually a great catalyst for people to rethink their business, their approach, their go to market, and how they're going to treat their prospects and customers in the future. You know, I think it's a great opportunity for businesses to actually rethink not only what they're going to do right now during the crisis, but also what are they going to do differently post crisis. Mm. Yeah, it's really pressed pause on the whole situation. I mean, we were all so busy and running around and and then since this crisis has come and people are forced to work from home and set up new technologies and put things in place and we're actually kind of realising that things really did need to change and this has kind of drawn a line in the sand to make that change. Yeah, well, I hope so because um, a lot of organisations have you know cut costs and shed staff and they're operating on skeleton uh, resources. And and they're still busy doing their day to day thing, 
you know, and, and the risk for these uh, companies is that they're so focused on this week and next week and the end of the month that they don't take that opportunity to to press the pause button and think about what they're doing, you know, and how they could do things better. So I think there's a real risk there by, by companies still being busy on a day-to-day -day basis and, and not working on the business instead of in the business. Well, that's a good point. I mean, this is could be a good time to work on the business. This could be a good time to take a step back and look at your sales processes and look at your sales funnel and see how it's actually operating to see if it's actually effective. I mean, just by pressing pause and stepping back, you may actually realize that there are so many missed opportunities. I mean, a, a lot of businesses do focus on getting new customers in, but maybe this is a good time to step back and look at, you know, maybe older prospects that you've spoken to or or even existing customers and seeing how you can better serve them. I mean, this time could just be really a chance to have a look at how everything is operating. Well, well that, that's totally right. So I think if, if executives and business owners and business leaders just take, you know, a day out of their life, right, and, and just look at a whole day. <laughs> That's right. Just take a fresh look at, at what they're doing and whether there's a better way, you know. Um, and in, in terms of um, lead generation and, and uh, going back to existing customers, I mean, you should be nurturing your existing customers anyway. There's all sorts of studies out there that say it, it's between seven and ten times easier and cheaper to get repeat business from an existing customer than to win a brand new customer from scratch, right? Ah, uh, so yes. You, now we're getting into talking, I guess, about how about sales and marketing working together. <laughs> because, yes, oh, he heaven help, that should ever happen. <laughs> but, um, well, as you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the terms marketing. And, uh, and, and in fact, uh, that, that's the title of my new book, um, uh, Marketing Sells Smarter, Not Harder. And it's uh, available at all good Amazon shops, if you want to know. <laughs> But you touched on something uh, quite relevant that the the collaboration and the interplay between sales and marketing is very important. And I actually have a a, a new perspective on that. Would you believe, Fiona? Oh, yeah, really? in, in the sense that you know the old sales funnel says you stick leads into the top, so that's the domain of marketing, and then they get qualified, so that's the domain of marketing. Then they get handed over to sales, and then sales follows them up and then turns them into a, a sale. You know, in a perfect but, world. But uh, what was pointed out to me recently, and, and and I totally agree with, is that from that post-transaction point of view, that should then become the realm of marketing again to keep the post-transaction relationship going and uh, and get the customer to um, not just remain engaged and give us repeat business, but also so that they become a raving fan of our business and tell all that yeah, refer business friends, friends about it, and, and you get referrals, right? So, so, yes. so this marketing function should actually be sales mar marketing, sales marketing, and then sales again. And there should be like a, a circular arrangement. I, I completely agree. I mean, I've, I've disliked the funnel as such for such a long yeah. time because I don't think it is a funnel. I don't think there's this definitive beginning and this definitive end where, you, where the customer just falls out the bottom or falls into <laughs> yeah. a big dish at yeah. the bottom. I think it is, it is, you know, secular. I think it is, you know, in this cycle that, that you, you know, you keep going from a customer to being nurtured exactly like yeah. you said. Exactly like you said. I mean, it, it's it's interesting when you look at these uh, sales and marketing versus each other kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's it makes me laugh actually. <laughs> yeah. 
why do you think why do you think sales and marketing almost have this competitive thing um it's i think it's the fault of the uh, consultants yeah. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, so, so in, Those in the, pesky consultants. Well, if if you um you, you're probably too young to remember Fiona, but um, in, <laughs> in last century, <laughs> there was there was a lot of talk about we've got to create centers of excellence in our businesses, right? And and so what they did was they they created a center of excellence for marketing and a center of excellence for sales, gave them each a oh. separate. Um, head, a separate Rebid. manager, right? And and then over time, because of these artificially created silo structures, they started drifting apart mentally as well. And they, they were then given different KPIs. So for example, marketing may be gold on the quantity of sales leads that they generate for sales, right? Or the number mm -hmm. of events they run, or the, the, the number of clicks they have on a website, right? But, uh, but that is not directly related to generating helping sales generate revenue revenue right and and so you have this this uh, this you know disconnect, disconnect. that was um, created by creating action by, by wanting to do the right thing originally you know creating centers of excellence and, and lifting the quality of each function but the the almost unintended uh, consequence was that they actually started to drift apart and and uh, so now we're stuck with uh, with organizations have huge gaps between those departments no i've i've witnessed that myself you know they put marketing in one corner and they put sales in the other corner and and never the two do meet except to argue once a month at a meeting well, that's, so. that's right and 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 you know what in 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 2016 we we undertook some research i probably haven't told you about this in the past and we okay. looked at 185 b2b organizations and we where was this in Australia? Um, or? It was predominantly in Australia. We had some um, American input there as well, um, but it, it, okay. it almost didn't matter. By um, uh, the geography, almost didn't matter. And here's because here's what we did: we um, divided them. We asked them in the last twelve months, "Have you grown your sales revenue? Yes or no?" Right. So divided them into those two camps, and then we mm -hmm. asked both camps the same question, namely. What is the structure of your sales and marketing organization? Like, do they each report into an individual head who then reports into maybe a COO or a CEO, or do sales and marketing report to the same one and the same head? Right. And mm -hmm. and the 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 key outcome from that whole research, I mean, there's a there's a 32 um, page report available, right? But the the key outcome from that research was that those organizations that managed to grow their revenue over the last 12 months, overwhelmingly yes. had one head of sales and marketing. And in yeah. fact, it wasn't just a difference of 10% or 20%, it was a difference of 200%. So, so twice as many organizations that had their sales and marketing report into one head actually made, um, um, made um, increased their revenue over the previous 12 months than those that had separate uh, silos. Wow. Okay, that is that is fascinating. Is that where is that data? Can can I can I link to that data in the show notes? I'll, I'll, or is that I'll send you a link, um, or I'll send you the, I'll send you the okay. report because it, it, it's it's not it's back from twenty sixteen or something, so it's not uh, totally up to date. But but it it was a remarkable finding, and it was pretty consistent, like I said, across geographies and and also across industries. Wow.
No, I I think for for marketing managers, I think due to these two different silos that definitely still exist. Yeah. I wish it didn't, but it totally still exists. I think I think marketing just needs to understand that we need to take responsibility and step up and engage with sales more and connect with the sales team and connect with the sales leader. And hopefully as a marketing manager, you know, they're doing that. I remember when I started at uh, Consult, this software business, uh, that one of the first things I did was I said to the sales team, I want to come out with you on the road. And they're like, why? <laughs> yes. And they they were like, marketing doesn't come out on the road. And I said to them, of course, marketing should come out on the road. I said, you guys, all you do all day is visit customers' businesses. And how better to get expedient marketing research and understand the needs of the customers than spend a day on the road every month with you just listening to what the customers are talking about and what they're saying. So it was, it just seemed natural to me to do that. But Everyone had never heard of it. No, that, that's right. But but you know, I don't I don't want to shift the blame onto either sales or marketing. No, it's not. Firstly, it's it's not really constructive. But but also, it's it's not fair, right? No, um, I know. Because the the thing that often happens is that because they've drifted apart and they're not operating in separate silos, whenever times get tough or sales don't happen, or you know, like in this current environment. It, it's marketing that whose budget gets cut first, right? And 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 then you know three months later, then you figure out that ah, because we cut the budget, we've now got fewer opportunities. You know, so it's not just a matter of marketing yeah, to reach it's... out to sales and hey, I want to work with you, um, but but it's it's actually a, a structural thing. And and dare I say, I don't like mentioning it out loud, but sometimes it's a it's a cultural change management issue as well. You know. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. I think the culture for that relationship comes from management. It comes from the leadership in the business setting the culture. So I think I think it is it is mostly that. I mean, I'm I'm you know I I do joke about this uh, you know this angst between yeah. sales and marketing, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, everyone is just trying to do the best work that they can, whether they're in sales or whether mm -hmm. they're in marketing. But no, I think you are right. It comes to the leadership of, uh, in the business, the management of the teams, you know, whether it's the CEO. Well, of course, it's the CEO. I mean, the buck stops yeah. with the CEO uh, in terms of, you know, setting the tone and setting the culture for how sales and marketing yes, should work right. together. And, and, you know, it's, it's actually not rocket science. You know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense if you just stop for a minute and think about it, right? Because if you have, if you imagine a triangle and you've got sales in one corner, marketing in the other, and the customer in the third, because let's not forget about the customer, then then, then imagine this, right? So sales um, in, interacts and, uh, and um, engages with the customer and the customer will give them immediate feedback on what they think about the content or the website or you know the the, the lead generation or whatever they they're talking about. So so sales has all this really valuable know-how and 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 and, um, and and messaging that they're getting from the customer directly. And and now imagine if yes. they didn't just keep that to themselves, but actually fed that forward to fed that back to to marketing, right? Marketing oh, would, would just get such a better Im impression of what their stuff actually does at the coalface, right? And then, and then that yes. would help marketing to make a better informed decision in terms of how they can support sales, right? 
Well, it would definitely impact the messaging that marketing would use yes. in any and, and campaign. And now imagine if the, the market research that marketing does with the customers, with the market, you know, that can then be better informed as well. That can be fed back to sales. So sales can actually make a, do a better job at representing the organization and what they're selling and, and the industry and then their, their own know-how, their personal brand, their business brand, much more effectively than, than each sales rep trying to sort of do it on their own, right? So I call that the virtual cycle of collaboration between sales and marketing and the customer. And it, and it goes around because marketing talks to the customer. Uh, sorry, marketing gets research from the customer. Sales talks to the customer, customer uh, and, and talks to sales. And sales and marketing talk to each other and everybody benefits, sales benefits, marketing benefits, and the customer benefits because they're getting a much more pleasant experience because the sales rep won't say something different to what it says on the website, for example, right? The, 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 the rep won't be yes. surprised when the customer says, I'm interested in talking to you about this special. And the rep says, oh, what's special, right? So every, everybody will be on the same page and talk the same language. It'll be much more consistent and that'll give a much better, higher quality customer experience. Well, we are in the age of the customer experience now. We are in this in this stage where, you know, the customer truly is king and they having a great experience from first interacting with your brand to it, you know, becoming a prospect, becoming a customer. This seems to be the where we are at the moment and all marketing and all sales now seems to be pivoting towards this. How can we give the customer a great experience? And about time too. I have to say but there's been a lot of lip service paid to customer experience. Yes, we do every, we do everything with the customer in mind, right? <clears throat> you know? <laughs> and then at the at the end of the month it's like quick get the sale. You know? <laughs> so what know. a contradiction is that, right? So but so it's about time that we actually start doing what we're saying we're doing. Well, this is the thing. So you talk about setting up this cycle, but I mean, how do you do that? How do you change this cycle to get it to focus on customer experience? I mean, who takes the lead on that in the organization? Okay, so I can answer that from practical experience. The, if, if I've, in, whenever I've gone to marketing and said, look, um, you can do better helping sales, they go, no, 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 we're doing really well with sales and sales are really happy with us uh, and there's no problem here, go away, right? <laughs> Whenever I've gone to sales and said, look, I want to help you um, work better with marketing so they can help you to, to get more sales, they go, no, we're too busy. Um, it's coming up towards the end of the, the month, the end of the quarter, the end of the year. If you want to fix up marketing, talk to marketing, right? So, 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 so talking yes. to the individuals about doing things better is not, has not been proven to, to be successful, right? But if you go to wherever the two report into next, right, whether it's the, the COO or the CEO, and you address it as a strategic matter whereby you say that you can gain much greater benefits in terms of productivity, in terms of sales outcomes, in terms of customer experience, in terms of staff experience, employee experience, you know, because I would much rather work in an organization where people are helping, helping me to be successful rather than where the ping, fingers pointed at me saying it's your fault that we're not selling, you know? So, so, so there's a multitude of very strategic benefits in, in getting sales and marketing onto the same page and, and, and practicing smarketing. 
But the thing is, obviously, if you're in a certain process and way of doing things, to, to introduce this new process as the leader of the business or as the leader of the team, if it, even if it's the CMO or whoever or the, working together with head of sales, I mean, is it just how do you transition that? I mean, you, you can't just do a cold stop and then start this new way of working. I mean, how long do you have you seen it take to transition from that that siloed way of working to yeah, more collaboratively? That's, that's an excellent question because nobody wants the business to be disrupted. Um, you know, you, you want to turn the wheels exactly. on the car while it's exactly. moving. Exactly, people. <laughs> you know, and, yes. and and so the answer is quite simple. I, I my the the title of my first book is the one team method, and and it's actually a, a, a now proven methodology that outlines the precise steps in terms of how you bring marketing into an organization without stopping the car to change the wheels. Right? And, and the, the philosophy behind it is that everybody is going to be part of the solution. Nobody is going to be the problem. Right? The, because the idea is that right. if I come in and say, look, you're doing everything wrong, let me tell you how to do it well, then you've got to say, well, what would you know? Right, and and you get your your back up and you resist. Whereas if you say if you say, look, this is what we're hoping to achieve. Here's a a, a vision of the future for us. Is that a vision that you can, you know, that you would embrace? And and everybody says, well, look, that would be much better than what we've got now. You know, because sales would be selling more and marketing could uh, be better recognized for what they're doing, and the customer gets gets a better experience. The CEO gets. Uh, uh, can, can achieve their targets, the board will be happy and the shareholders will be happy. So everybody wins, right? So if you can paint that vision where, where, the, where everybody wins, then there's going to be less resistance. And then if you support that with, you're actually part of the solution, you can make a contribution to getting us to that endpoint, to that nirvana, to that future outcome, then there's less resistance implementing it. And, and the one team method starts off very with something very simple, with a just very basic assessment, then, then leads to a what I call discovery session where people can understand what's uh, what the opportunities for, for improvement like are and 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 uh, how they can be achieved, and then we can we can work on a plan together so that as I said everybody becomes part of the solution and then when you implement the plan everybody's already on board and there'll be less uh, um, uh, less um, uh, resistance to it yeah. Resistance? With the COVID over. And how long, how long is that well, process? It, it, how long is it? Yeah, it depends, of course yeah. it depends. And it depends on the size of the organization, how bad things are when we first engage, and, and, uh, and also how on board the people are, right? So I, I'll, I'll give you an example if you like. Okay, so, so there, mm -hmm. there is a, um, a company called um, Momentum Energy in, in, in Australia that um, is a, you know, a, a listed um, provider of, uh, of electricity and gas in, in Australia to, to businesses and households. And I had um, breakfast with the CEO. I was introduced to them um, uh, a few years ago now. And in, during the breakfast, he, he said, look, um, there's something screwy going on between our sales teams and our marketing teams. And, and I, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Can you help <laughs> me find out? Right. And, and I, um, I ran the, the initial assessment for him and gave him this marketing score for his organization. There's actually a metric that helps you um, measure the maturity of the sales and marketing collaboration called this marketing score. And, 
he I presented the findings to him in his boardroom and he was horrified. You know, he, he, no, seriously, he, he said to me, oh, my God, I had no idea how bad this is. We will need to fix this. I, I will take this on as my personal initiative. Right. And the buck stopped this. He actually said the buck stops with me, which which I thought was really great because he could have easily said, "No, that's not that can't be right. Get out of my office." Right. So he took it on the chin yes. and and he wanted to do something about it. I then referred to to the research I mentioned earlier, and he said, "That's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to hire a new head of sales and marketing, one person that both teams report into." Right. Now, that set us back by about six months because we had to recruit and onboard this, this person. But uh, he, he hired this, this lady called uh, Amy Childs, and she came on board as the brand new head of sales and marketing. And we worked together for, I don't know, six months or so and um, aligned the, the sales and the marketing teams. We put new procedures in place. We, we, we um, relocated people in the office so that the mar marketing teams and the sales teams could actually sit as close to each other physically as possible. The, um, the call center staff who are normally on the very periphery of, of the sales side of things were brought into the fold, at least um, not geographically because they were actually um, located in Tasmania, but, but at least we had organized a, a, a call with these guys um, on a weekly basis. And the call was not a monologue from head office to, to Tasmania as had been the case previously. But it was actually a, a, a dialogue, a two-way call where they could make suggestions and, and um, deliver and, and bring back observations and get, actually give that feedback from the coalface to the management team um, straight and directly, right? And and the the organization has been thriving since. And Amy Charles has now become the CEO of the of the entire organization. Wow, that's a great story. So so that. that, that yeah, that initiative does have to come from the top. I mean, the top really does have to drive it because, um, yeah, if they don't, it's yes, almost I, I, a waste I, I of don't exercise. even like to pretend it's just a sort of um, you know, shifting things around at the edges type exercise. It is actually um, a, a, a strategic initiative, but it doesn't need to be disruptive. That's my point. So it needs to be strategic. It needs to be supported from the top, but it's not going to be disrupting your business while you're doing it. You can change the time from the car while it's moving. Mm. Well, yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, it would be nice to have that kind of leadership and to have, uh, you know, a CEO driving that. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of marketing managers out there who may not get that buy-in from the top. I mean, is there anything that individual marketing managers and their small teams can do to to work better themselves with the sales team. I mean, what advice would you have for for marketing? So I actually like mentioned that? that in my in my book. It's it's in the in the the last chapter in the call to action, and 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 it is actually a call to action for marketing leaders to step up, right? To 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 present themselves okay. as leaders and to say, I think I can do a better job helping sales to do to achieve more. I want to work better with sales to help to drive more revenue. And I, I um, encourage my counterpart in sales to work with me, right? Now, if you were in, in an executive meeting and you were the CEO and your head of marketing got up and says, I want to do a better job helping the sales team to, to achieve their targets and maybe even exceed their targets and produce some um, better customer experience at the same time, I'm willing to step up to it uh, and I'm, I'm encouraging my counterpart to work with me. What impression would that make on the CEO, do you think? 
Hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I think you know, mar mar marketers have done it's a shit trying. job marketing themselves. Here's an opportunity to really step up and be, be noticed. I I think it's worth trying. <laughs> well, well, look, you got two choices, right? You can keep doing the same thing you always have and, and try to hide behind the, the the clicks and the numbers, you know, or, or you can actually um, be accountable for for revenue and and actually do something at a strategic level. And how good would that look on your CV, by the way? How how much would that raise your personal brand True. and your personal profile? You know, how mobile would that make you? Upwardly mobile would that make you in the yeah. in, in the workplace and in, in the market and in, in the job market, right? So the, you, you really either are somebody that wants to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, or you want to step up and be seen as a leader. True. No, I I think that sounds fair enough. I think there's definitely. You know, I mean, I was I was talking to uh, Akshay from Optus the other day, and he was saying the same thing. You know, about marketing leadership, um, having to step up and 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 do what needs to get done. So, yeah, maybe that's maybe it's just worth trying. Well, well it's I not mean, just worth trying, but now is the absolutely right time. You know, if, if we go back to what we said earlier, that now is the time to step back and see the forest and the trees and look at what are you going to do differently when the crisis is over. Now is the ideal opportunity to, to plan that out and to get that process started because the, the, the crisis has given us this pause Perfect. that we can now utilize, you know, we can take advantage of. Yeah. No, spot on, spot on. I mean, have you seen, have you seen businesses doing the right thing in regards to sales during this crisis? I mean, I've, I've received some messages that have been totally tone deaf from a sales perspective. I've had people pitching me and I read it and I'm thinking, really? Um, but have you seen, I mean, have you seen some businesses doing the right thing? Um, yes, I have. I'm, I'm sounding a bit cautious because of two things. One is that I've, I've had salespeople reach out to me and say, what can I do? Help my sales managers putting pressure on me to perform and there's nobody that wants to talk to me. What can I do? You know? So, so this is these are the sales managers that keep doing the same thing and just thinking they they got to do more of the same to get the same result, which is not not really practical in this environment, right? On on the other hand, I've I've seen the flip side where our organisations all of a sudden are saying, "Ah, oh, look, this is our COVID nineteen initiative, and we're here to help you. We're all in this together." You know, insurance companies are ringing, are, are sending me emails saying, "How are they dealing with COVID nineteen and how how they can defer their premiums or whatever else?" Right, but. They're not really helping. They're just saying, look, you pay us the same, but you just pay us a little bit later. You know, they're not solving a problem. And, 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 and uh, you know how mm. trends that emanate in, from America uh, eventually make it to our shores. Yeah. Well, I, well, I spoke to, um, to Christine Crandall in the States, who's, who's a colleague of mine. Um, and she said there's now a lot of backlash against this, um, this supposedly helping with COVID-19 messaging that's coming from organizations. Right, but but they're all calling out bullshit. Right, they're all saying, you know, we don't believe you one bit. You just uh, you're just putting lipsticks on lipstick on the pig. Right, um, trying to sound nice, but you're not yes. really nice. You still want to make get get my money. Right, and um, because it's not part of yeah, their culture, well, this caring yeah, thing is, right. hasn't so been the, part the, of their culture. What I'm saying is that this. there's a lot of backlash against this. You know, let us help you. You know, this this soft approach. So I think the, the, the key is really to be authentic, you know, to be genuine. 
And, and yes, yes. Um, individual sales reps absolutely should reach out to their existing customers and say, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Even without intention of selling them something, just to keep the pipeline going and to now actually build a pipeline for, for the future, you know, for when the, the fog lifts and we can all, you know, get out again and we all want to start doing business again, that there is a pipeline, you know, and, 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 and it's okay not to sell, uh, sorry, it's, it's okay not to reach out to somebody with the sole intention of selling them something, you know, um, and, and those organizations that get that mix right between uh, authenticity and engagement, they will be the ones that will be the winners. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I think all that sales can do right now is just keep those relationships yeah, and, going, and, and keep them yourself, open. Be authentic, you know. I think, yeah, because I mean, I've seen, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, there's been some 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 good initiatives, and there's been some terrible initiatives. I mean, I suddenly got a uh, an email the other day from a taxi company that I think I used five years ago, basically telling me that they're here for me and they understand what I'm going through. And um, I actually burst out laughing when I got the email because I thought it was hilarious. I'd never received yeah. an email from this taxi company before. And uh, it just made me think, yeah, these guys are not really in touch with, I mean, I, I, you can tell that they're suddenly wanting to do the right yeah. thing because obviously people are not getting taxis. But from the other perspective, it just feels so wrong that I was just yeah, looking well, for look, the they're obviously just found an old list could. and you know, saying, oh, let's do something with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> dusted yeah, it yeah. off. They dusted it off. And they thought, and oh, it, this, it, these people used to be customers. Let's and, tell and them that we love that, them and we care about them. That so that they'll use taxis again. That said, well, you've got to nurture your existing customers. And that's, that's how they interpret it. Right? <laughs> You've got to love those consultants. Got to love those no, no, Fiona, I, if I may, I just want to them. touch on something um, relevant as well. Um, and, and you mentioned the sales sure. funnel earlier, right? And, and, and we've, we've discovered that there shouldn't be a funnel. It should be circular and it shouldn't be sales. It should be marketing, right? Because sales and marketing together. But, but, but what I want to talk about is that the, if you look at the tr traditional sales funnel, um, I think it's, it's superseded. It's gone. It's old. It's it's old and grey, and the, the teeth are falling out of that thing, right? Um, the and it's it's completely aimed at looking at the organisation from internal selling perspectives. It's about how we want to sell, not about how the customer wants to buy. And I'll give you an example, right? So so you got the sales funnel. Leads go in the top. Then they get uh, um, they get nurtured. They get turned. They get qualified. They get turned over to sales. Sales then follows them up, and sales makes the sale. Right? Where is the customer in that picture? Okay. So, true. I'm saying that the old old sales funnel is is um, is pretty much dead. It's long in the tooth. It's old, and it's not even relevant this um, in, in these days, and certainly not in this environment. Right? So what, what I've um, done is I've, I've rethought the sales funnel. I've been thinking about this for a while, but I've, I've finally managed to get it into a model where each individual step within the sales funnel, and there, there's 10, 10 individual steps that I've identified, each of those steps is completely aimed at what does that look like to the customer, you know? And, and, and well, it's, it's kind of aligning the, the sales funnel journey. with the buyer's journey, right? 
and and but but I've gone yes. further than that. I've I've like I said identified ten discrete steps, and each of the steps is aimed at the customer. And I've now created a a, a self assessment checklist, right? That um, that people can download from the website, and it's at um, peterstrogop.com forward slash. Yeah, peterstrogop.com wow, forward slash sales funnel, and and. When you download this list, you can you you can actually do that in five minutes yourself, and you will find what bottlenecks and what speed bumps exist in your existing sales funnel, and which parts of it are not customer facing, not customer focused, right? And and it it'll it'll inspire you to rethink your business. And I think again, this is the absolutely right time to rethink what what you're doing, right? So I encourage everybody to to. Go it down to get to, to get to peterstrokeoff.com forward slash sales to go down and download that checklist. It's free and, and run it for yourself. And then if okay. if, uh, if you're a, one of the businesses that are, that are affected by um, by the current crisis, I will make my tools, my skill set and my time available to you in a, in a one hour call for free to walk to walk through the results with you and to help you understand what uh, the opportunities for improvement are. So how about that? That sounds pretty good. I'll, I'll actually, I'll put a link in in the show notes as well, just so people can go and have a look at the checklist. But no, that's that's really great, Peter. I think, you know, this is the time. Like you said, if there's any time, this is it. Um, it's time now to, you know, match your sales processes to the customer outcomes, to marketing, to the customer journey. If you're going to get everything along, yeah, and and it's it's, it's, it's the right it. time. It's the the opportunity is there. You know, people are are telling me, like executives are telling me. They're finding they got more time on their hands now because everybody's working from home and they're getting fewer interruptions in their in their day. You know, so so if, if you have that, oh, yeah, it's funny, right. isn't it? The so increased productivity. If, if as an executive, if you have the time, if you have the opportunity, if if you have the mindset of changing something, that there are there are two or three things that that you can really sink your teeth into and make a big difference right now and post crisis. Yes. Yes. Uh, in between uh, helping home well, school actually i i have no I, I find that's not a problem at all i mean like i said my, my kids are really adaptive adaptable adaptable really flexible <laughs> and and they um they just sit on their computer and and go through the the lessons and my problem in fact is to get them off those damn things afterwards <laughs> So, so I, I think the kids are not actually the big problem. I, I think it, it's us being used to what we're doing and not, um, no. not well, it's the parents that are the problem. <laughs> let's, let's not try to blame anybody <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, true. No, that, so, so yeah, just coming back on that, the, that I think now, Moving, I mean, we're starting to see this crisis kind of the light at the end of the tunnel. And we're starting to see, you know, what restrictions might lift. And, you know, I guess if what business leaders can do now is just reassess and reevaluate to make sure that when we get back to some kind of normal, that you can have improved effectiveness and efficiencies in your sales Absolutely and marketing. Right. So, so and the worst thing you can experience. do is either do nothing to hibernate or to just keep doing the same thing, expecting the same result. Yes. 
Yes, Barbara. All right. Okay, I'm going to let you go now. It was great chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yes, I I always enjoy a good chat. So, uh, I'm guessing uh, if someone wants Um, to get in touch with you, where do they contact uh, you? Email at uh, p at com. They can go to the website peterstrokop.com and uh, and they can go to my LinkedIn profile and link in with me. Okay. Perfect. Great. I'll put those links in the show notes too. Uh, I hope you keep doing what you're doing. It sounds amazing that you know you're really getting this time to to help these businesses reassess things in this crisis. So I uh, I hope you keep having fun. And um, no, thank you, Fiona. It was, yeah, was great sure chatting to you. And, and everybody, please take me up in my office. It's it'll be to your own benefit. Thank you. Bye. So thanks for listening. If you like the show please leave a rating or review on iTunes. Also, please visit thismarketinglife.com to view the show notes and subscribe to future episodes. I would love your feedback. If you have any burning questions on marketing management, you can ask on the website, through Twitter, on the Facebook page, or just email me at hi at thismarketinglife.com. I'm Fiona McEachran. Until next time, keep marketing.